destroyed. No, contact! Hold the line! Yep, they're taking fire. And we're live. Welcome guys to No Man's Land again. It's been a while. Uh, as usual, no reason to keep you guessing. I'm joined by Dark Leftovers, our resident orc arty boy. Boy, hello. It's good to be back by popular demand. Right next to him. The one, the only, the most essential, Avatus. Welcome, brothers, to the age of the silver hand. And also, our permanent guest here for a while, and hopefully for a long, long time to go, Kaczynski. Hello, hello. Right. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Not permanent guest. <laughs> special guest star. Okay, let's get that straight. Okay, okay, okay. Settle down. Um, well, there's a lot to talk about, but I was thinking in the intro, maybe we can talk about the war just like a tiny, a tiny fraction because uh, of, you know, all of the... Yeah. Don't really, don't really know where to begin with this war, to tell you the truth. Oh, you, remember, um, you remember that cool first day when we all showed up and there were a whole lot more neutral towns? That was interesting. Yeah, yeah. That was crazy. Like I, we were in really good uh, standing at the start of the war, but something that I've noticed over the past sort of like well, couple of years, in fact, since since uh, persistent war started, uh, like what tends to happen is like whoever takes the most neutral towns first always tends to be on the back foot towards the mid game. You know what I mean? Like if we take the uh, the neutral towns, then we always seem to be on on the back step uh, in the mid game, and the same way with the colonials. And it sort of it happened like that, and uh, they beat us back. They took abandoned war. They, you know, they they pushed us right back, um, but they never quite got to our uh, true backline uh, regions. And I think that's what's that is what uh, probably saved us. Um, but the, I mean, the elephant in the room is is obviously the silver hand, isn't it? I mean, it's. Yeah, we'll I mean, be, we'll be getting to it. Yeah, <laughs> we, we'll be talking. We'll be talking in detail about the Silver Hand. Don't worry about that. But I mean, the Silver Hand and its introduction and when it was introduced is. I mean, it, it needs to be said that that is uh, one of the big reasons uh, why the war turned around. I think though, before we get there, like I, I do want to talk a little bit about kind of the effect on the early war that having war neutral towns offers, though, because I remember. And have remembered for a while that are a lot of frustration with us on well, what are we supposed to do on day one ups? You can't go deadlands because we won't fit, uh, and everything's tier three. How are you supposed to even begin to enjoy the game on day one with rifles? And offering more neutral town opportunities makes day one more interesting. And I think that you know my big criticism is that they didn't let us know about that. Like we just had this war pop up, like oh look at that, things are white that have never been white before. That's interesting. I think it threw the colonials off even more than it threw us off. Uh, but it made for a really interesting uh, first day more white, and that was uh, that was fun for me. I enjoyed that uh, that first operation quite a bit. Yeah, hopefully, they keep that going because that just like you said, like it was it was something new and interesting, and also it's like oh, this is a lot better than having giving us a lot more stuff all right off the start. At least here we we have an option to at least start doing <laughs> things a lot more. With some irony, we still rifled down a tier three town hall on day one. <laughs> well, that's, that's never gonna yeah, stop. Yeah. That's never gonna stop. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I, I forgot um, about that. The one thing I always like, you know, agree, especially with with Kazan, is the the contradictory matter of especially what Mark is saying most of the time regarding the strategic level of the game and how he wants the players, you know, to like really get into it, but you don't get to even plan around the map you're going to be fighting on. I, I always felt like, you know, this, this wish of getting the players involved in the strategic aspect and then cutting their intel off when, when you start a war makes no sense from any angle you look at it because, you know, even if they would like... We, we discussed this in here, right? Introducing this sort of phase of pre-war where people just get ready and maybe scout or some shit, that would be really cool, right? In my yeah. opinion. But this thing where you, like, boom, you just get para-dropped in there two minutes before and it's like, this is your map. It's like, think fast. <laughs> where do you go? Where are you going to attack? What's, what's your least, next move? At least warm us up. Like, oh, by the way, there's some interesting map changes coming. Watch out. You know, anything that kind of keeps on our toes. Because, like, we built a whole battle plan for our first up based on it's always the same way that we got a pretty good idea of what to expect going in. It's like, well, scrap that. We got to add a couple steps in here and let's go. <laughs> so it's just we're going to do this one on the fly. And it's kind of hard to do when you're doing, like, that op, that first day op was 60, 70 guys. And so that was not uh, easy to turn around on a dime. I feel like a, am I good? Yeah. Sorry, I feel like my my shit took a took a dump on me. Anyways, are you guys talking about more like a a ceasefire period where you could just have access to backlines and just plan out? Yeah, I know that I know we were discussing with Avitus at some point some sort of um, prep phase, you know, where like even in real war, like you know, there are people escalating tensions, right? Uh, moving moving stuff to the borders putting some defenses up Not, you know it doesn't have to be like days per se even if it's a, a few like hours one day before war starts yeah again like i don't it can be even two hours or three so people can can start digging in a bit you know forming a few defense lines maybe logic can get some some shit done so you don't have to because what happens right now let's make, not make it so you maybe can't maybe can't like pull weapons or something like that for the first couple of hours yeah so yeah well, you can like even maybe do that but the, the general idea be like be hard to work that around but yeah what what really like sucks from my from my stand of view and i don't want to go around the finger about it is we all do it right the the basically the start of the war is people running around with trucks pulling shit from locations people don't normally spawn it mm -hmm. and that thing is such yeah. a waste isn't it right because instead of that you could have the players allocate those resources where they are needed, right? Is what I'm saying. Yeah, true, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah. Yeah. They need to put a system like that in, really, now that I think about it. Because if you could, like, it's like all those shirts in those backline towns where nobody ever spawns, yeah. you know what I mean? I'll tell you... They the, all start with, like, what, 300 shirts or something? I'll start the war. Those things are fucking essential. I'll tell you what I think, especially because I know if you would bring this up with Mark or with the dev team, they would be like, well, you know, it requires a lot of coding and a lot of, you know, time spent into changing mechanics. And to that, I, I would just simply say, simple fucking solution, no coding needed, Make the middle maps, right? The, the, the maps right in the middle of the conflict, make them white and don't power them up at the start of the war. Keep them down for like an hour or two so people can, you know, get supplies, get blah, 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 get ready on the borders of it. And then boom, you open the, the borders, the maps are white in the middle and whatever happens, happens. You know, the, the better prepared yeah, yeah. faction gets, you know, ground or doesn't. Well, yeah, I, I could see that 
what might work, what might work in that regard is just not allowing vehicles to cross into the uh, middle maps for the first couple of hours. You know what I mean? Can't let a CV past. So it's just infantry skirmishing in those middle maps for the first even yeah, day of the war. Like a, good, like you know a scout and initial contact. Yeah, I guess. yeah exactly. I'm having a hard yeah. time seeing this play out yeah. in any meaningful way. Like there's so many. Like I'm, I'm having a hard time seeing so it. So many like options of how things can go weird. Yeah, I guess. It's, yeah. 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 For how I would see it, or like the whole middle, the middle maps that would be the heavy contested regions. Those would be completely like no one could enter there for like let's just say the first hour when the war starts. Yeah, yeah. Basically. And then hour two starts. Then infantry only can be allowed in, and like gradually, you get me. Like I see that. Like that'd be that'd be pretty interesting, you know. Yeah. I, I almost wonder cool. what it would look like because I'm, you know, what what if we had more territories that were neutral. And, you know, what it would do is it would slow down people getting into conflict, I think, which would be a net negative. But, like, let's say, just to use an example, let's say Deadlands was all neutral. And you had to, to get into the map, you had to come in from the map, and you had to build your own initial, you know what I'm saying? Like, but you had you mm -hmm. had more player agency over what you construct and how and how you approach it. And uh, it, back, in the, back in the past, we actually had this a few times, especially when they were testing stuff out more in the... Uh, World Conquest scenario, we, we had situations where maps were basically fully white. And I think it was really interesting because, like, again, it took a strategic aspect, right? So mm -hmm. what what, yeah, what direction are you going to go? You know, like, are you going to go straight down the middle? Are you going to go on the right flank more? Are you going to try and cut them off? You know, like, it offers so much discussion, especially for clans of and, and their actions, where they want to go and do. It, it makes it real fun for, for us. Me. I think it would be better. I think for the average player, it would be frustrating Maybe and annoying because, because again, they just want to get in there and get to that trench grind as fast as possible, and that's going to be severely delayed in that environment. Mm. That's why I mean, they not, like not, that. not only that, but you, you need to sort of like think about war start and what that looks like in the starting area. You know what I mean? That the masses of people waiting to get sure, into the game. Sure. You know what I mean? And if there's half the region, well, a third of the regions they can't get into. That is going to limit the player spread. It's going to create queues in the backline maps and stuff like that. So it's going to create I do, a lot of problems. I do believe the happy medium is having at least you know one town in each of those contested maps being neutral tier one town that both factions Possibly. divide over because that makes for some awesome, awesome infantry gameplay. Because uh, that, that's it. Like you don't have AI defenses to worry about. You don't have anybody with one advantage over the other. It's just one strong arm against the other over a, a no man's land. <laughs> no pun intended. Mm. That. Uh, that you know you're trying to fight to win the for, on the first day of war. That's awesome. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I think I think it, it it's a good thing to brainstorm about. Um, yeah. I mean, hopefully, uh, we'll see something like that into the future. I do agree that the neutral towns at the start of war were a good thing. They should have told people about Agreed. it all first because, I mean, I think we gained a lot of advantage at the start of the war because we were quickest to adapt over the colonials to the situation, um, and I don't like. I think it needs to be something that where people can plan around it because then at least you're going to get both sides turning up to the same areas and stuff like that where they've had time to recce how important those areas are. Didn't you guys take a T3 city? Yeah. 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 We took Lockheed on day one, dude. Uh, <laughs> then proceeded to go to Suns. Yeah. And the relic base in front of it. Yeah. But like, like yeah. Avatus and, uh, and also Cass said, it, it has a lot to do with like, the colonials just like not knowing where to react first and their, their response was weak. So once we got moving and we, we already had a plan for the region 
and then we just adjusted it on the fly. Okay, well then we're going <laughs> we're going even faster than before. And it's like you know, I mean, anyway. I think what was, it, go go ahead, Cass. I was about to say what was really really weird about it on that first day is the because the colonials didn't react well to it and didn't show up on day one. It staggered our operation, like the actual combat operations, the operation by a good thirty minutes. Because I don't know if like Avidus, you were there. You may remember Razor. I know you were there. But when we took uh, the neutral town, no colonial showed up. Yeah, we just had this. We just had this perimeter of guys around town because we couldn't really advance because we didn't have any shirts and like our spawn was so far back. And so we had to literally just play really defensive with like fifty guys just sitting here with a ring around this neutral town waiting for us CV to come up, rebuild the town, put shirts in it, and then like now all that took like 20, 30 minutes because we were going back to get shirts and stuff and supplies. And so without them showing up, it really kind of. I think made things a little weird for our guys because like what do you, what do you, what do you mean we're just going to sit here on this stone wall and do nothing? <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, it also that's what needed to happen at the time, wasn't it? So. Yeah, but it also feel like, in my opinion, it, it might have also created for the colonials a weird sensation of safety on that map, like you know, mm-hmm. not seeing any enemies for a long time. And, oh, like that map's like really quiet. Yeah, maybe sure they took that the you know the middle town, but you know they're not really doing anything with it. People are not attacking towards us, so. It might be fine. But, but you're right. We stabilized off it, got enough supplies in there, and then we just exploded out of that position into a, a, a really, really great attack. So I mean, I, I will say that like, uh, as the war progressed, um, and not getting too much into you know, the, the new vehicles or anything like that, but something I, I noticed uh, that I didn't know at the start of the war but, um, wasn't Siege a colonial clan, and then it went Warden or something. Because yes. I don't really keep up with this shit, but like yeah. I still see those guys around all the time, doing work in fucking armor. You know what I mean? At ridiculous o'clock in the morning, and I think that is probably. I mean, it's, I'm not saying they're the only reason why we won, but like that clan is another like, factor. It was. It was just they're just one of the ones that show up to fucking you know to face fuck us head on. They face us head on. You know what I mean? And not many colonial clans do that. You know what I mean? So it's, I mean, with without them and without like you know any other clans to have note to think about, it's like when we have an operation and we're bringing four and five of these you know new tanks to the table, there's nothing that can come up against us because these crews don't know what the fuck they're doing. And I think that I think that was a that's a, a big, well, one of the fact one of the many many factors is uh, in why we started winning the war. Yeah, I think we can like stop at when when we get to tanks, I guess, and uh, revisit that because that's a really good point. Um, let's not dwell too much on the introduction here. Let's uh, let's Next move slide. on. Let's move on to the meat and potatoes of the war. <laughs> uh, so probably the first the first real warden conflict we oh, had. Yeah, not that was saying brutal. it was a long scene coming, but this was like like unnecessarily stupid. I mean, I think I think it was a good lesson for us to learn, though. To tell you the truth, I think it was a good lesson for the faction to learn, because um, you know, obviously, in this instance, yeah, we had a bit of conflict and it set us back a lot, and we lost a lot of ground, and it looked like we were going to lose the war at one point because of it. You know what I mean? But then we've we've obviously taken it back, and we're, we're more than likely going to win the war now. Um, so this mistake isn't going to cost us the war this time round. But I think in the future, all the leaders of all the clans and all of the leaders of 
warden groups and you know oh, we need to come together as a faction and make sure that this type of shit does not happen again because uh the tech split issue it, i mean it it's seriously I, i'm not exaggerating it can lose you fucking wars guys you know what i mean and it's not a matter of just like you know throwing in your so you need to, we need to have some kind of like you know definite plan for our tech across the entire faction I mean, we've got the the Warden Unity Hub now, so I mean, hopefully that'll help things along the way. But I got a lot to say on this, but I'll kind of defer to you guys. I've already talked a little bit. Well, I I personally just think that in general the idea of leaving it so open for like this game and democracy at this level doesn't really fit doesn't well. Work. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, really. Because no. I the issue is if if there would be no actual punishment for what you are voting for or the uh, end result, that would be fine. You know, like if you'd be like, well, it doesn't really matter if you take the other thing because in the end, you're not going to get penalized for it. Then you'd be, yeah, yeah, like do all the votes you want. There's no issue there. But it really feels like, you know, like you guys, like you said, you know, like a, a bad tick or a bad split can can mean disaster real, real fast. And I think the last four colonials did a lot of splitting and it really affected them, right? Um, I think, what were they tied on? I'm trying to remember, but I can't write, pin the name. They had a few things, especially on the uh, on the siege tank. I know they they sort of split that up a, a, a tiny bit with whatever they had on dot line. Uh, well, I, I think nothing as bad as you know the famous I think APC what would fix the issue fan. I think what would probably fix the issue is if you had some kind of voting system before you tech that thing so for instance uh the next thing you you were going to tech would be voted for um while you're teching the current thing do you know what I mean so on line one it would be maybe voted for in the first 10 minutes of the war, and then you'd start teching that particular thing on that line. And while that is being teched, there's another vote going on that lasts until that thing is teched for the next line. Do you get what I'm saying? So yeah. regardless regardless of what gets picked, everybody's putting their tech into the same thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's that's exactly the, the line where, even if it was like a, a dumped-down vote either that or that and whatever wins you get it's still better than actively like making it a competition sort of like even if it's not a direct competition you're gonna have people compete for it and then you know it starts you know just like going into really really bad situations like we had this war like people camping tank centers to get the tech other people would live around uh just like sign spams like world chat being Propaganda. a fucking swamp it's i think like, the, i think the devs have too much faith in in people to make reasonable decisions you know what i mean like it's not like and i'm not just saying other thank people you for the I'm, I'm, I'm talking about us as well you know what i mean it's i think it you that needs to be taken out of the player's control you know what i mean well in in regards to just taking whatever the fuck you want you know what i mean because it, it will Thank literally lose the factions wars if it's if it's uh, not handled properly. I yeah, think if they really good. Or... No, no, you can go, you go. 
I think they really want to have player agency in the process, which is again not bad in and of itself. But the way it's currently, as you guys said, the way it's currently designed literally sets people up for conflict, like you, it, it, in an almost unavoidable format. And and that's in spite of the tremendous amount of work that people have done to try to come together in advance of these decisions and get consensus. Because without getting into the details, there is a lot of work done on the warden side to try to get as many people at the table as possible to try to find consensus because the consequences of not finding consensus are well, so I mean, horrifying. And we I still mean, this fail. type of thing drives that sort of need to be more organized. You know what I mean? Right. It, 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 it drives organizations like ours because like this this type of just adding that simple like that simple voting system that I just talked about there would completely alleviate all well, the need for uh you know anything to be uh controlled or anything like that and organized but the the problem is that i think overall um the warden faction is a lot better at being or it's got organizations in it that are better at being organized overall i think in tech i think uh as time goes on you're probably going to find that the colonial is going to be a lot worse at it than we are because it's something that we're very good at is rising to meet a challenge so like we can uh we can become unified on this tech issue i think we'll, we'll probably won't have many issues with it into the future i hope not um but i think the colonials are going to find it extremely hard because they don't have huge clans you know what i mean that are, that are unifying the faction and stuff like that realistically if you want a solution on this, you're going to have to remove some of the consequences and impact of the division. And I think that, the, as you said, what you're suggesting is one thing. I think to simplify it even within the context of the current system is, you know, leave it the way it is. Leave it with the prototypes, leave it all. But any anything that you submit for any of the th votes moves toward 100%, if you will. And so at the end of the day, once you get 100% of a certain tech level, and it may be divided 60, 30, 10, then it goes to the tech that's got 100%. That way you just, you you eliminate the tech waste, if you will. Yeah. You can still have division and conflict over, you know, what, you know, what was best to tech and you, you may have blame flying around, but at least the whole faction won't be punished because of that one decision point as, as much as they're getting punished. Kind of yeah. like, kind of like tickets, right? Like you only get 100 tickets, yeah. how you spend them is, Exactly. Know. Exactly. And that yeah. way you can also take advantage of both techs, right? You can prototype things from both sides to some extent, still dabble on that piece of tech and still use some of it. And it, but but still, it's fine, and you're not going to. The whole faction is not going to have consequences forever. I do want to kind of point out something that Zach's putting in no man's land. I agree with Zach 100. This system is awful in regards to the lab, like how laborious it is for the players to participate in it, because you literally just build a mechanic to send people to the scraps fields exclusively to try to push this, and that's an awful way to get player engagement. Like, it just I could rant forever on it. It's retarded to me. Yeah, we already had our opening suspicions with them, like. When they when they introduced the new like iron and aluminum fucking like nodes within the you know scrap nodes and I was like we already had like yeah the people aren't gonna like it and then top that with well guess what you have to get like at least a thousand later to just just submit to one thing. Guys, I hit a scrap field this war and it didn't feel good. I haven't hit a scrap field in a long time. It's terrible, dude. It's terrible. The fact that some people just basically took sweatshop jobs on like getting the tech to advance is horrible. Uh, I don't know. Like, like Cassette, I generally don't mind because the byproduct of this was a shit ton of BMATs for everybody. 
but at the same time like it just felt wrong it, it felt wrong to have uh, especially this this were sort of we chilled out because it's the second war so people are getting more into in tune but the first war right the update war literally we would come home for work and fucking strap in into the scrapple you know part-time duty everybody you know like having over fucking well like 20 people in each channel and like free channels everybody scrap 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 we need that tech 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 and like you know like that's a bit that's a bit silly for a game like this where the first air horn ends and then the second one yeah like we 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 sort of went into eve boundary there where like you know we turned into a mining corporation all of a sudden (laughs) during the the weekdays sure in the weekend we'd go back to like you know fighting and stuff but weekdays it was like okay boys get ready to scrap your minds off (laughs) we don't really (laughs) want the scrap but (laughs) we need to so uh just Briefly going back to the thing about tech. If uh, fuck, I forgot what I was going to say now. But uh, it's okay, Grandpa. Yeah, don't worry. You'll come it. back to me. You'll you'll get there. Um, <laughs> in the meantime, you know, like I noticed, Lissick was saying as well. You know that conflict is part of the game, and yeah, you know it is part of the game, but it needs to like the debate phase of the pick should have you know, a, a, a period of time, right? If nothing else. Like, it should be from this point to that point. After that point, the debate phase, you know, finishes and the tech phase begins or some shit, right? Like, separate the conflict from the actual process of teching because having conflict while also teching is a nightmare from, ah, from what I saw. Now I remember. Go ahead. Yes. So, um, I, th- I think it needs to be said as well that the fact that... Um, a lot of these new things are very new. Like, a lot of these things are getting teched for the very first time. You know what I mean? Like, you know, uh, like different vehicles and stuff like that. We didn't know how they played until we get got our hands on them in an actual war and things like that. So I think as time goes on, I think it will naturally become something that we just know what to tech. You know what I mean? Where we know what are the things that need to be teched, what's good in certain situations or what what's good to you know get into the field early rather than later and what's best to leave till later on sort of thing so i think as time goes on and the faction sort of learns what what are the the best vehicles to tech then uh, i think you'll find less conflict naturally mm, i don't necessarily agree with you because the the conflict this war started from the premises that the, the devs uh, did a buff up for the uh, for the fat guns so that was like, you know, that was the, the game changer here. Like, oh, guys, they, they changed it. They made it way better. We would be Got fucking stupid to not pick it up. And then, you know, I don't know. I know it's still very debated, in my opinion, especially because how much colonials are complained about tanks. And I saw no no fat trying to, to contest any tanks. I, I've been in a tank for like more than eight hours uh, in the past two days. And I didn't see one fat from the colonials not even one so i don't know what to tell you maybe they, they just didn't like use them properly or didn't have the morale to use it at at, at this I think point the thing, i think the the thing with those is they're very situ- they're good in my opinion they're good yeah but only they're very very situational in the situations where they're good they're fucking excellent but like 
as an overall thing, I wouldn't have teched it earlier on. I think it was a the right move to go for what we went for. Wasn't it the Highlander? No, we went for? APC. AP, that's the one. APC. Yeah, I think it was the right move to do that because, I mean, the APC is the most versatile vehicle in the game, really, isn't it? Water, land, can be used as, you know, whatever. So I think you go, you go for... Aim of the game early on and pretty much anything is you go for uh, utility rather than, you know, just water, focusing in on one area, you just like just on AT rather than, you know, all of the things that the APC could have done. So I think... I think what what, what made the the thing at least somewhat scary is that people were, it kind of felt like they're outright too lazy to just make the emplacement version, which is all rounds cheaper and you pretty much and use stronger. the same tools. Yeah. Way stronger. Compared to, compared to the, you know, the mobile versions, it's pretty much, you got, it, all of its weaknesses are reversed in a way. You get me like, you can't get shot out of it. If someone shoots you in the front, you, know, you get, because I know with the current one right now, you can just, with the light tank, you can just fire the top and then it kills yeah. the crew. From what I understand, that's the main issue why Colonials didn't use it because they tried initially and then all of the silver hands would just use their uh, normal tank turret to just decrew them in, in one shot and it made it pointless. You know, <laughs> what good are those guns if they're gonna get decrewed from first shot? You know, and then yeah, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you more than this. It, it felt like a, a huge bluff for them. Even like Highlanders, I didn't, I didn't necessarily see a Highlander suffering that much from, from the Colonial FATs either. Um, f at least from from what I played, I'm sure like you know everybody. I'm pretty sure, some people got sniped from that, but no, I, I get yeah. exactly what you mean. But like, I think like the op the opening volley of because everyone knew in the Warden faction at that time that oh Colonials are spamming tankettes and they're people were scared that oh that they're pretty fucking good. But as there, there was like a brief little like window of like everyone being like, oh yeah, we should have checked the FATs because look at that, tankettes are s storming. And given in their own right, the tankettes were actually like the the colonials had a good advantage when the tankettes were out. It wasn't only until we got the Highlander that it was like, yeah, these the tankettes are actually fucking nothing. I mean, the tankettes overall are especially powerful, but the problem is the, the counter list is huge. Uh, from decrewing to just like Highlanders just being able to outmaneuver it completely and just go behind it and decrew it. Because like, like front in front, the, the tankette wins against anything we can throw at it, you know, like without utilizing flanking or special shit. Thank you for the follow, you non-essential scum. What is that? What is the, what is it packing? the tanker what, what's it got inside it's it? hmg it? hmg all right well yeah. you know that but the, the, the it's got that and it's got sorry let me cut you off it's got that and it's got better armor and tracking than an armored car yeah it's essentially right. considered okay. a, a light tank right okay thank you for the follow you non-essential scum thanks for all the follow guys <laughs> uh yeah anyway i think uh i think that's basically it you know like the tankette has way, way, way more potential than people give it credit. But I agree. Like in order to use it, to use it properly, you need one thing that the colonials don't necessarily put accent on. You need like extremely well organized people to cover its flanks and blah blah blah. You know, yeah. Colonials don't seem to roll like that. They they need they generally just roll as you know a living organism that just breathes and goes in all directions and yeah. So I think that's pretty hard 
for the, I think my personal opinion overall, I think is um it's it's a problem from the developers i've said it in the past i don't know if i said it here i think the main problem is they're trying to get the factions to fit in their vision lore whatever you would call it yeah and it's not how it should be it should be they should be uh, adapting to how the the factions play the factions yeah. shouldn't be adapting on on what they want to yeah. do right so not- i've thought about this quite a lot yeah and um Ever since this sort of like got said initially, where it was like, oh, the colonials are the, are the more aggressive faction, you know, they're the attackers and the warden and the defenders. And so, uh, ever since they said that, I was like, hang on a minute. Like, mo- I've been playing this game probably three years, and I'd say 80% of that time I've been in the attacking, you know, phase of the game. Because, w- like, most wars, wardens are on the attack because we, like, we've, I think we've won most wars, haven't we? So, uh, we're mostly on the attack all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah, granted, we have been on the defence sometimes, obviously, um, but most of the time the Warden's been on the attack. And it, it it feels as if the Colonials are good. At, I mean, you just have to take that um, the war documentary. You know what I mean? Everybody knows that war documentary um, where they, the, war, the, the Colonials held us off for weeks, weeks, you know, uh, in the defensive uh, fashion. And then you know they pushed out and they counterattacked and they and they took. I, and I would probably swap the roles around, um, where the wardens are the more aggressive attacking faction and the colonials are the more defensive uh, and then counterattacking faction. Uh, in terms of uh, how, like I'd seen broader sc- uh, tactics over the years used by both factions, I would I would say that you know it was probably opposite rather than what we got. And I think that's what is pretty detrimental to how they're trying to play their faction at the moment because they're not used to, you know, pressing the advantage um, and and just throwing things at uh, at, at uh, like for instance, the light the light tank versus the uh, uh, what's it called the the silver hand. You know what I mean? They have to use the speed advantage of the light tank to get by the silver hand to to have a hope of beating it. Yeah. But they they're not used to that sort of level of tactics. They're used to standard tank engagements where you you're facing each other on head on on a road, you're reversing and things like that. And that's why they're losing them time and time again. And this all ties into the general feel of the factions, in my opinion. If I could disagree with you just a little bit on some of that, so yeah, of course. So like I, I get what you're saying. I think at the broader sense, but I think some of it may be our own prejudice because we're DK. And we're always attacking, and so yeah, possibly. You know what I'm yeah. And so I think I think that kind of works. But I think you're right. I think I've seen the as a faction, we tend to be taking more ground than we're losing. And when you look at the whole space of the war, for the reasons you just said, but when we're you know maybe not around and there aren't other pushes going, you know, wardens are defending just as much. And from a lore perspective, I know that that's going to get some eye rolling, but you know, it does make sense that the colonials are the aggressors on our homeland. Get that too. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And then the final, and the, and the final thought that I'd offer on that is, and I agree, I'd love to see like this alternate universe where we we have, you know, access to those to the light tank, and they've got access to a silver hand like vehicle. And I think that we'd surprise ourselves because I've, I've seen a lot of points made on this, and I, they're entirely valid. That using the silver hand strategically and tactically is easier than the ask of using a light tank in absolutely. that high maneuverability 150%. environment. 150%. And, that, and that's, I mean, so no matter what faction has it, you're at a disadvantage because the play, the coordination and execution required to pull that off 
is is got to be incredible. That's something that yeah. we might love to rise to the challenge of, but as a whole for the average player, they're not able to do that. And so more engagements are lost on average across the whole faction as a result. I mean, I mean I've said I said this uh, a couple of days ago. I said, you know, like we've got some strong vehicles that we've that we've been given and things like that. But God help the colonials if we were given their vehicles because if 82DK had like the colonial light tanks on mass, you know what I mean? We could do some fucking damage with that shit. You know what I mean? Where you know you get a must, uh, you get a whole tank formation speeding uh, around the flank. Sick. It would just be insane. It would <laughs> yeah, be insane, dude. Yeah, I would love to. You know what that. I mean? Like uh, the jeeps with the with the RPGs on. You know what I mean? <laughs> Those things would be rampant if we had them. You know what I mean? They'd be all over the fucking place, destroying shit. And it, yeah. it's, I just yeah. don't feel as if the colonials are putting putting uh, the vehicles that have been given to the best tactical use i do agree yeah, with I think it's too hard, though. yeah i do agree with Kaz. i think it's you need to think it up at, at an average level and not on like specialized level like you know groups that are good with it um it, definitely silver hand is way more easy because you, you just like sit there and point and click um to the same point i do want to say that i feel like a lot of people have been discussing a lot and we're gonna get actually let's just switch here to the silver and i think it's time to actually go into this because yeah, exactly 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 i feel part of the, you know everybody's talking about the silver hands ah it's op it's like you know ah like you can't do anything about them wardens are spamming them <laughs> no way of you know and it's like there was this one guy he came with a sticky he took the 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 tank on my side by surprise he stick it its backside right the tank next to me didn't really notice that, so when he was trying to evade it, he got close to me. So what happened was the sticky on his back splashed me as well. I shit you not, both tanks were down 30% health. I shit you fucking not. So I don't think people actually understand how squishy these, these tanks are. Like, sure, they look impressive and they're like... They're know, glass cannons, aren't they, really? Yeah, they really are. Like, I think they're... I, I think they, they didn't really try to counter them. I think that exactly what, like, it was described, if if it was for a, a small contingent of light tanks to actually, like, speed around us and get behind us and just get a few shots on us, I think we would be Shh, fucked. You know, like... Don't tell me. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, it's but, true. It's true because well, it's supposed to be the the. Uh, I'm I'm assuming that it's supposed to be the predecessor of the storm tank, right? Like it's it's supposed to be like yeah, this is the, the best somewhere there. Of, yeah, probably somewhere there because all of its armor is up on the front, and like the rear is just like yeah, that's where you have to just fuck them up. Is you got to get to their ass. So so something that I've been thinking about, uh, and the reason why silver hands have been just wiping out vast quantities of colonial armor. I mean, just ridiculous amount of, amounts of tanks. Uh, I remember that there was uh, an attack on Saltbrook a couple of days ago where about 20 colonial light tanks, a fucking BT uh, uh, prototype, all of that type of shit. They flattened the town before they came in with a storm cannon and they just got annihilated. They got annihilated by, by Silverhands because the standard way of engaging tanks on the front line in, in, in Foxhole, and I'm talking about grindy front lines, I'm talking about a couple of sergeants taking a tank to the front line. The standard way that people engage tanks on the front line, wardens or colonials, is this: they sit on the centre road and they, they go down the road uh, when the other tanks push forward and they might shoot a shell into it. 
and then the commander's like back up back up back up back. every single time if they know what they're doing they say back up back up all that. so they shoot a shell a couple of shells they exchange from fire maybe if an infantry has an rpg they'll disable the uh, enemy tank and then they maybe finish it off and that's how that's how things are exchanged on the front line how things are differently now however is that you're getting colonial armor that is still engaging in the same way they're still they're still engaging tanks they're still engaging frontline armor in exactly the same way that they've been doing for years but they're not realizing the fact that the silver hand is literally built for that specific uh engagement it's 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 literally it's that's its specialty yeah. that engagement exactly in, in, in front line that's it front line push up fire a couple of shells you might even disable the tank if you've done that that tank's dead you know what i mean <laughs> infantry infantry and whatever is gonna pick it up like vultures and just <laughs> don't even need to that, do it that first volley is so punishing because exactly. not only do you have one gun being commanded or you know two guns being commanded by one guy you know you do that poke of oh i'm gonna shoot one shell no you're getting two things fired at you and one gun is a stronger caliber than the other And it's just it goes to where they're not playing with their strengths. They're playing with their they're playing against ours, and that's not that's no bueno. Yep, and I just want to refer back to my previous point. It's just that's the way average players understand tank combat, and it's yeah. so difficult to maneuver, and it's so easy, and it's so much easier as a faction to force those engagements into head-to-head confrontations. It's tough to play the flanking game and play well, especially with armor. I can imagine. Uh, I mean, because every single tank you fight up against has binos and is looking for that. It's a, it's a more patient choose your fight kind of gameplay. Uh, there's, you know, there's no fog of war with tanks, so to speak. You can look see them whether it's dark night through barricades, and, and so it's it's really hard on on I think the colonial armor and the colonials to 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 do what you guys are talking about. And I think consequently, the silver hand, in my opinion, appears to be way too overtuned for the role it's good at. Mm. Mm. Well, that's my perspective. Yeah, and I, I I do agree with you because this is not about, uh, like you said, this is not about what we can do or what other group can do with it. This is about what a non-experienced, you know, average player can do with it. And you know, yeah. the the reality of that is what Kaz is saying. They're gonna go to a front line. If they're gonna be in a tank, they're gonna face off the other tank in front of them and just play that waiting game of you know. Uh, they're pushing in. We're gonna, you know, push in to stop them. We're gonna back up. Oh, oh, we can't back up because like they fired one volley and we're already disabled. You know, abort, abort. We talked about this. We talked about this last, but I, there was a, you know, and it was not this war, but the last war when I really realized how good that light tank was. And Dark Bull, I had to bring him back to bad memories, but I remember one of these colonial light tanks. We had two battle tanks on a front and uh, AT half tracks in reserve, and this. Colonial light tank sped down the road, Zoom. sped through our town, zoomed all the way through the back line, sniped our FA, kept going, did a full circle back to his front line. And by the time he was done with that route, and it was a long route. It was like a 150-meter circle that he drove to do that. Our battle tanks had turned around once. Yeah. <laughs> like they just, well, they just managed to rotate to face the dead FA, and that guy was already all the way back to his friendly lines. Because he thing just, is, he just held W and took advantage of holding W. And that guy was rocking. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the problem is that it doesn't... Foxhole doesn't promote the type of gameplay that you need to be good in one of those things. You need... It's high risk, high reward with that sort of thing. And, like, when you've spent maybe an hour trying to put that thing together, probably even more than that, if you start yeah. from scratch, you don't really want to 
have that high risk, high reward. You just want to play in a tank for a couple of hours. You know what I mean? Yeah, and have that, fun. I think, that's, I think that's contributing to it as well. And what happens yeah. when you blitz out of control into an AT defensive, uh, like a, a line of AT turrets, by the way, which we talked about last podcast as well, well or you run into a landmine because you don't have time to scout, you just got to go, and you've got to react on the dime to what's in front of you. That's a hard play. That's a hard role to play. That's oh, tough. definitely, yeah. It's a cool role to play. Oh, you know, it's I'd exciting, love, I, dude. I'd I love, love to, I'd love, I mean, I'm excited to, to find myself in the situation where I'm commanding a colonial light tank. Um... And be in a situation like that where I can, you know, make a high risk, high reward maneuver like that. But I think as a main line tank, to be able, it's just it doesn't fit its role. Does it really? Doesn't really bring enough to the table. To they've already got vehicles capable of flanking. They've already got vehicles capable of speeding around a flank and taking up an FA. You know what I mean? They don't need another one. You know, they they, they need a they need a, a tank of the line really. So on that note, because um, like I, I need, I'm trying to keep this like tradition of putting a bit of a flavor video or something in, in the stream now and then. Uh, I would propose watching some <laughs> some silver hands go rampart on some light tanks if if you guys. Oh, uh, let me yeah, recline. Yeah. Go ahead. It's just yeah, it's just a short moment. I I didn't want to yeah. reveal anything big because like I'm definitely gonna do a video on on co tank combat very soon. Show us, show us what you got. I mean, I guess the reason why um, I've got very little... Oh, I'll stop for the video, but... Okay. ...on them. Okay, they are. What? South, there's... Oh, that's a friendly light. Okay. Mrs. Out, C squad. Um, they're us? currently no, southwest down the road, so 90 meters. Road, you got two light tanks that you can rip apart. Directly southwest, 50 meters away. Here comes the cavalry. Mine of foot, mine of foot. We can steal this. We can steal this. Great fucking shit. And that's it, basically. We have two that new light tanks now. That, that was it. it. Oh my god! It was, I have I have an opening question. In like, did did you guys kill the? The, dry, the gunners and drivers just from the armor piercing? I think, they, I think they hopped out. And no, some hopped out. Pain. Yeah, then gas came uh, okay. in. One of them was actually pretty smart. Uh, I, I don't I, It might be in the next video, but I'm just going to tell you about it. One of them actually stood in the back tank, and what he did was when he figured out there's no way out, he started shooting the other LT. <laughs> he actually destroyed it. So, yeah, that, that was a nice oh, play for yeah, 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 yeah. You did really good there, and we, we ended up just uh, like, capturing one. Definitely so. smart. Player. I've seen a lot of people. Kudos, Sam. I've seen a lot of people calling for like a nerf to the speed of the Silverhand, and I think that showcases a little bit of that. The a reason people think that might be necessary. I don't know if that's a good or a bad solution or not, but I can, you know, this they can is, close the distance really quick. That's yeah. I I won't yeah, lie. I think it's pretty fucking. If I was to take any of that, I would. I will say it is a little too fast. Like you, like you just zoomed. Like they had no chance to fucking reverse out of there. Like 
it was just like watching a cheetah attacking a, a little yeah. limping little to, little limping elephant to be fair and give full context um I, we actually had comms with the squad there over team speak and uh uh, they were engaged with them for, for a bit there. Tsar did like incredible work there with our very own <laughs> stolen light tank to just keep them at bay. And I, I, I guess they were kind of on a confident, you know, moment there because they pushed Tsar back a bit, but Tsar was fully aware that <laughs> that free mean <laughs> free mean silver hands were coming his way down the road. So I mean I guess the reason why what I was trying to say before the video uh i have so little mercy when it comes to or so little uh what's uh what's it called like pity for the colonials uh in this regard is because i'm seeing tanking i've seen numerous videos of massive tank engagements and minor tank engagements like we've just seen where they just they just keep making the same like it uh, be fair enough if like for instance after they lose a couple of big tank engagements, they change their tactics a little bit. But you see in this type of thing time and time and time again, where they're getting into these massive tank engagements where they know that these things are what's, that's what they specialize in, and they're not changing up their tactics at all. They're not, you know, adapting to the situation and they're being punished for that. And I think that's the reason why I have so little pity for them. You know what I mean? Because if it was me up against massive, uh, a massive silver hands, I'd change up my tactics. You know what I mean? After I'd seen uh, the numerous videos on FOD about, you know, the colonial tank uh, divisions just getting left in burning wrecks on fields and shit like that, I would, I would, you know, think, hang on a minute, maybe we should change our tactics over here. You know what I mean? Maybe we should, you know, do something about uh, how we're engaging these massive uh, silver hand formations and stuff like that. I think the issue is that the pursuit capability of these silver hands is too good from what I can tell. Like, cause that, that, that the light tanks they just demolished are the speedy light tanks that didn't, I, and again, they, they, they made some, probably made some errors in the gameplay. I'll grant you that, but those silver hands are quick, man. Those are fast. Those are real fast. Yeah. I mean, I could concede that they could maybe do with like maybe a 10% speed decrease. So the, the thing to keep in mind, the, the problem also is, uh, roads, right? Cause like, Roads actually give uh, decent uh, bonuses to speed. So yeah. as long as you keep the silver hands on roads, that that bonus really really mm, <laughs> goes nuts. So. The multiplier, and that's sort of the niche thing, right? Because like I've said, they're like a very frontline niche tank. So you just like I, I was looking on Umbro yesterday. We had a little jeep, uh, you know, just doing hunting people down and having some fun with it, and then like every like two minutes or so you would just see a silver tank just like you know casually passing by <laughs> like patrolling the roads they were everywhere <laughs> everywhere you, you saw like you, th you saw maybe three infantry on the entire map everybody else was in tanks it was ridiculous literally and because like when you when you, you want to think about it at least realistically it's like how is a light tank being outspeeded by by a medium tank you know what i mean mm -hmm. it's like you want you you would assume oh yeah the light tank will be able to zoom out of there faster than the medium tank could at least you know get to it, but it's never really been the case for for how light tanks work in Foxhole like they've always been generally the like slow and kind of like I think I would have said that like following one of the first streams that the light tanks feel more like medium tanks in this game. Yeah, I mean you know. I think it's better to if you if you just reclassify everything now because like 
you've got so many different vehicles now that you can reclassify. Before it was impossible to do so because you didn't have an, enough variants. But for instance, you got things like the Highlander and the Tankette. I'd class them as light tanks now. You know what I mean? And then you got the light tank, uh, the you know, the colonial one, the warden one. And I would class them as medium. Uh, and then you've got like the uh, silver hands and the ballistas, which are like specialized sort of tank destroyers, I would say, I'd call them. But, you know, ballistas, obviously, for destroying defenses, whatever. And then you've got the battle tanks and they're like the super heavy tanks sort of thing. Uh, so I think it's probably better to just reclassify the vehicles and stop calling like tanks like tanks and just call them medium tanks. Uh, and I think that would probably be uh, a better way forward. I'm just, just throwing that out there. Um, Highlanders are, cannot tank anything. <laughs> yeah. Just throwing that out there. Like, I think what, what was it, Razor? We were using one the other day. We got shot by an AT gun or an AT like infantry. Which one? The rifle one. And what it was like, super fucking like one shot. Um, I know, I know for a fact. Like an HMG shot me for like, for like I don't know maybe count to ten, count to three. And when I when I backed up and checked my health, I was like sixty something. I was like, what the fuck? You know, like I literally like, just took half a clip of HMG and like it, it already was almost ready to get disabled. And you know the irony with me always and forever is gonna be the fact that it's called armored car, right? Armored. The armored word is in there. Yet any sort of bullet that flies towards it just dents it instantly. <laughs> you know, like, it's just, I don't know, for me it's really funny and ironic. It should be immune, in my opinion, it should be immune to small arms. Maybe it should have so, a weak area on its engine or something I like can that. I can understand HMGs doing damage to it, but not... Yeah, I at, mean, a, a 50 caliber machine gun would shred a panzer one. Sure, sure. You know I mean? But so, not so. like, you, you know, it fires half a clip and you're already, like, almost disabled. That's sort of you know mad madness. I don't know if I brought it up last time, but they really need to think about the disabling mechanic and possibly either lowering mm -hmm. its threshold as a whole or just getting rid of it because it's it's still like it, it's probably one of the limiting factors a lot of armor has to contend with because once you're disabled, you're, you're done in any and top that yeah. with you're tracked, your turrets down, or if you're really unfortunate, you're you're leaking fuel. And that's pretty much like you're on a timer for the next ten seconds before you, you know, physically become disabled. I uh, I, I was I would disagree with you there. Like I, I would, know I would have to disagree with you there because I, I I think the modular damage system has completely changed armored combat. I think it's fucking brilliant. No, no. Well, Dark is not saying it's not brilliant, but for me as well, I was shocked to find out that disabling is still in the game after that was introduced. Like, what's the point of that? I don't know. Like you, you know, already disable have, systems there. You have you have track. That's basically that's basically the old disabled. Because just because you're crawling with like one kilometer uh, a second, I you know that's not gonna change anything in the long term. If you're tracked, you're basically disabled more or less. Sure, you can like yeah. maybe crawl a few meters to safety, but that actually makes it better, not worse, in my opinion. Right? It, it gives you more mm -hmm. more. It gives you a chance. Exactly, and you know you you leave that chance. Like most people, when they get disabled, it's like, oh fuck, okay, close the curtain, <laughs> we're done, boys. <laughs> yeah. When you're like tracked, it's like, ah, oh, okay, we can make it. <laughs> you know, like, get out and push it, get out and push it, guys, we can do it. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Like maybe taking it, taking disabling out uh, oh, yeah. would be a good idea. I, I mean, it's they've already got the the uh, fuel tank thing. I mean, exactly. The disabling in itself, isn't it really? 
Yeah, but once once you get hit in the ass and the fuel goes out, you know, you're basically disabled again. Mm-hmm. That's just, to me, just makes it too fucking, like, you just you just got so many factors punishing you. And then, like, the, I think the one of the worst ones you can ever have is just getting your, your turret just fucking offline. And that's like, yeah, you, at that point, you have to get out. That's like the red alarm. Your gun is down. You are no longer inf- effective. It isn't even about trying to destroy or disable the tank, really. It's more so get the turret offline, and then it's just you know, it, it's it's out blind. It can't do anything. I mean, for all the problems that we have with the system, the colonials are having them tenfold. So that's why I don't mind it. I mean, oh, of course. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Silverhand will look at anything, and you know, I mean, two guns versus one. It's like, well, you can't disable both guns at the same time before we can disable your main one. I mean, I don't think you can disable the uh, the second gun anyway. You maybe disable the turret, but the uh, you know the the other gun. I don't see a way of disabling it. You can't really shoot it to begin with. So you you can't. Oh, okay. So orbital is telling me you can disable both. Okay. Well, that's good to know, I guess. But uh, yeah, in the in the same time, like good luck disabling both and tracking it and dealing with the entire pack because i think this is another very important aspect to consider is i don't think i really saw solo you know like solo silver hands engaging enemy tanks like instinctively people just pack them <laughs> you know I mean? which i think is part of the problem because like one silver hand against a few you know like against like two lts or some shit like that i see a lot of potential for the silver hand to to lose it, you know, if the if the ATs if the LTs get a bit of uh, boldness in their moves, right? But when there's like three or four of them, which is the case most of the time in the engagements, then you know what, like they don't have enough shit to throw at them to to make them. I mean, back I, would, I would say that's that's probably a good thing from our faction though, because you know I've lost count of the amount of times where you're driving by and a couple of sergeants are taking out a silver hand, let's say, but then you've got somebody nearby saying. Guys, you know what you're doing with that. You know, do you want us a bit of help with it or something like that? And I think that is, we're starting to see the fruits of that sort of like helpful attitude from our faction. Because now you're getting uh, people realizing that riding around this particular tank on its own is not as effective as if, if you just follow that guy around with it and mm-hmm. goes to, you know what I mean? So I think that's a, a general evolution of people just working together, you know what I mean? I want to uh, add this real quick because Orbital is is actually telling us basically if they disable the top turret on the silver hand, both guns get disabled. I get that that makes sense. Uh, oddly enough, yeah. I, I didn't really see it getting disabled that often, but I get it's mo- mostly of a random uh, mechanic sort of a thing because I I saw a lot of uh, like one one bullet disabled the turret or like one shot disabled the track instantly so <laughs> which is pretty silly most of the time and the way it looks like but um yeah you know makes sense makes sense so uh, closing remarks on the on the on the silver hand let's go with you avidus closing remarks um i have been very entertained by the tank and i will look forward to uh commanding one in the future um, I do think it does need a speed nerf. I will concede that. However, I do think that most of the uh, complaints about the tank are due to people basically not adapting to new tactics in order to deal with it rather than the tank itself. 
All right, so that's, that's, that's pretty good. I can respect that. Kaz, what about you? I'm pretty close to Abydos. I do think that the current meta makes it really hard for the Colonials to take advantage of the counters that do exist because of the... We haven't talked about this, and I don't want to open up a whole new subject, but because of the bunker hopping meta as well, you, you kind of have... the You don't have the space to maneuver to get an advantage on the silver hand, assuming that the speed wasn't an issue. And I think it is. I think that the, all the factors together and the way that Foxhole fights go, you're not taking two light tanks against two, two silver hands. You're taking two light tanks against two silver hands against a horde of infantry, and you're leaving your infantry behind to expose yourself to their infantry to try to make that fly. It's just, it's an impossible ask. I think it's it, it doesn't fit in the game right now. Right there. Well, uh, you know, I think that... Uh, a slight nerf, especially on the speed, so it, it gets more in line with the idea of a frontline tank wouldn't hurt anybody, and you know it, it would put a bit more balance, and colonials would be, uh, you know, not that bothered by it, you know, making it slower. I am afraid though, because like the, the like generally the devs don't really know how to stay in the middle, like oh. they, they either nerf something to the ground or they make it incredible. So I'm really afraid to not seeing the silver hand in, in the future uh, similar to how you guys remember the storm tanks when they got nerfed to the ground were off-road. They were basically CVs. <laughs> I'm really afraid. <laughs> I'm afraid we, we might be going towards that, uh, that solution from the devs, which is going to just be sad because if, if they're going to do that, probably nobody's going to use them ever again until that changes. And that will make me really, really sad because... No matter what, it's a really fun fun tank to play with. Uh, fuck it, I'll, I'll even like, you know, we can switch, like you guys said, we can give it to the Colonials and they can give us the light tanks for a while. I'll be cool with that. <laughs> I, may, uh, I will say one thing. Never before in the history of Foxhole has a vehicle been released with such a debut as the Silver Hand. And this war will ever forever be known as the war in which the Silver Hand was introduced. You did mention something that's kind of been like when we first were looking at modular vehicles, the first thing I said is that modular vehicles and fashion specific vehicles is a neat idea and the hands of a team that's really experienced and really good at doing game balance. And I don't know that this development team is quite there yet. Uh, I think that that's causing some problems and it's going to continue to cause problems because this is a hard scale to balance when you really think about it. It's almost impossible. And like you look at the countless games that struggle with balance issues with huge development teams and huge teams of experience to do so i'm very very concerned about yeah i mean i mean and the go the going at it like you know when they're a, a good few years into the project already you know what i mean and they're completely mm -hmm. changing their attitude towards balance and stuff like that it is a bit worrying i have to agree with you there dude so generally at least from my phone from rts games when they do uh, asymmetric balance is they generally, if they get one side a very good vehicle, then the other side will have something, not an equal part, but something that they can, you know, hopefully that faction considers is a also very good vehicle. So they could possibly get another medium tank that can not not do the same thing as a Silverhand does, but probably has like a, you know, better or stronger, you know, gun, something of the sort. Give it something a crap to, like, of armor. Compete. You know, just something to take shots for. You know, I think as Avita said, they need a tank of the line. <laughs> something they can hold ground. What was that? Do we have another topic, Razor? I think we've, we've talked a hefty amount yeah. on this over thing. Yeah, it's time for, like, get the drum roll ready. The death stream. There we go. So, 
atmospheric music already, <laughs> not music, but like sound effects already starting for this one. So they introduced some, you know, some some sneak previews to what's to come here. I know already the dev the dev branch is already up. So if you guys like are looking really forward to it, you already can jump in the dev branch and uh, give it a give it a go. Uh, but like, let's not let's not talk around the subject. Let's talk on the subject. Um, this is a bit of a presentation they they give us regarding how armor works because you know apparently they think people don't really understand a lot of the aspects of it uh considering how many complaints they got from people about you know the new system the and you know like they they, they try to explain it in in this uh in this slide uh, i know one of the complaints that was you know demonstrated in this slide was um the colonial light tank for example the turret rotates really fast while the warden light tank the turret rotates uh way slower uh, you know visibly slower than that and of course it's it's basically it's made as as this is designed this way basically just because uh you know the the light tank for the colonials is meant to be more agile and lighter and so it faster. Just, it, and favors, it favors their tactic of maneuverability because yeah. what that's designed for is you designed to speed past the enemy tank, fire a front of shot and it was its front as you're speeding past it. Then as you as you're passing it, the turret's already rotating and it's got that rotation speed to be on point for the next shot being loaded and to, to put one into its ass as you pass it. That's what that's for. The one thing I'll say on this topic is you know and it, it might sound that again I'm pointing at the developers here, but it, it's just like the way I see it. I feel like if if they're really passionate about people understanding how these things work, they shouldn't be so secretive about all of the mechanics that go behind the scenes because they never actually tell it. Like yeah, this time they showed us some hitboxes, right? And that's fine and dandy, but we don't know anything more. We don't know the HP. We don't know, like, you know what I'm saying? If you want to get people involved and to understand these things, you need to give them access to the raw data behind it so they can understand, you know, well, you know, this armor, how is it like, it's an HP bar. How does it get consumed? How does it get replenished? You know, all of that stuff that we basically have to be guessing or researching on our own. And... The thing, I, I respect this perspective they have, you know, where they want to let player discover this shit. But, like, imagine how many people do, like, have the time to do what I one did and just, like, go full mathematician on it and drive, like, you know, draw graphics of how armor reacts after you shoot 50 shells into it and shit like that. Like, honestly. Ah, uh, yes. The good old, the good old DK R&D project. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's it's a really bad move to be so secretive about you know. Oh, we're not gonna tell you, but there's like some secret HP bars over there. You guys don't need to know about. But at the same time, guys, why are you not picking up on these new mechanics, cool mechanics we put in? But we're not gonna yeah. tell you much about them. We're just gonna like keep them secret. <laughs> it's like what the fuck. Well, that being said, as well, like I wouldn't even until you're telling me right now. I wouldn't even known that the uh, the two light tanks have different rotation speeds. No, I thought they were still carbon carbon copy the same. No, they're not. No, no. 
and uh, you know this kind of goes round circle with the silver hand again same same issue because you know the qualities are are fought differently and you know this is why you see our tanks eating their tanks because their tanks are not as first of all not as resistant to fire they're not meant to be that's it yeah they're not meant to sit there and take punishment from our tanks which are you know at least in this scenario the one they presented they're slower they're bulkier but they can take more punishment that's the general idea in in this com uh, you know in this presentation they have here i think i think uh you know when you get into like later on in the war and stuff like that and especially when we are on the attack you've got to put yourself in the situation of the colonials with light tanks and stuff like that because their primary uh, tactic should be flanking around and stuff like that. But now you've got fucking concrete bunker bases everywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you've got no, it, the, all of that open area most of the time is, is filled with some form of AT or something that's going to block. Yeah, I think you know Kaz I mean? addressed it earlier, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. So it's it, it, like even even with the rotation speed, it's, it's going to be hard for them to... Content. It's harder to navigate when to you have maneuver. so much shit. Yeah, yeah, especially with like the input like trees and whatnot, where already that you know ruins your mobility. You can't even go through a forest because it, you have to go through very speed, um, very key specific points to even think about maneuvering. So I, I, I 100% agree on that. Like Foxhole is not really a game that encourages well for maneuver for maneuvering. Right, going down the line here. Uh, this one's for the sea boys in in the house. <laughs> the cult of the hammer. And it's hmm. I I I'm just sad I didn't like I should have you know put in a, a screenshot of <laughs> that one guy that made the a bunker base surrounded by <laughs> bunkers that, that was like Lodgy was already like sweating. They're like, how the fuck are we gonna supply that? Oh my god, we don't want to see that on the field. definitely it's one of those things that they didn't have to to really make this but this this shows at least they somewhat care about the guys that build bunkers because this is a little it's not much but it's something to help you know at least with their creativity that's what i mean i think i think that uh you're gonna see a lot because they did say numerous times that they want to put a lot of effort into the trend system and the, the bunker complexes and shit like that so i think you're gonna see a lot more uh, utility stuff coming out and a lot of cool shit coming out eventually for them you know what i mean that's gonna really make these bases the, the problem is is that these bases are fucking awesome and you really want to get inside them and fight inside the corridors and you know and and, and push up to them and fight over the uh, in, into the structures and the narrow corridors between all these concrete walls and shit like that because this they look like such fun areas to attack um the problem is that as infantry you can't get anywhere fucking near them <laughs> because they're just they're just you know peppered with these concrete rifle garrisons that are just impossible to take down and i appreciate the fact that and the builders are probably going to curse my name for this but you know with the trend system that connects them and stuff like that and you have to like uh, something about them being connected by a tier one trench and stuff like that that's a bug but it's just leading to like these rifle garrisons like we saw in um uh where we were yesterday, Razor, uh, Heartlands, uh, not Heartlands, where we were around the gym. Umbro, yeah. Yeah, sorry, Umbro, where they were, there was uh, concrete rifle garrisons lining the entire road, you know what I mean? And that is just like 
an absolute nightmare to clear and take down. And then uh, I think something needs to be done about that. You know what I mean? Could you imagine, Avidus, if we had like the ability to storm and capture bunkers instead of always <laughs> resorting to blowing them up? Well, yeah, yeah, that'd, <laughs> that'd be, be fun, sick. wouldn't it? Don't you think that sick. would be fun though? Yeah, yeah, it's that'd just... be sick. I don't know how it would work from a balance perspective. I have to think a lot more about it. But like thematically, love that. That'd be so. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, it would because they different. look like that's the, the the problem with them because they they look like so such fun areas. They look like such fun, like fun terrain to fight over. But you get like you never really see them unless you're defending them, or you know you happen to be the one guy that makes it up to the rifle garrison before you and, die. And you then you need to saturate the interaction. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> We've only figured out how to blow stuff up, which I'm okay with most of the time. That's fine. But I love how we get like this huge town hall, and like we could take the flag off or we could purge it with fire. <laughs> oh man, that's good. Here, back two minutes, guys. I think um, one thing that they could have done, or at least where you could just focus on the, um, the... I know they want everything tied in where you destroy one segment, it, everything gets destroyed too. But this is just me and my two cents. It's like, what if you just focused and you destroyed the... Uh, just like the, like the rifle garrisons or the AT ones, you know what I mean? Like the bunker structure is still up, but only the... In the you know the AI. a more a progressive destruction is what you're... so you don't have to worry about like that massive HP pool of trying to destroy the whole thing. You can just target that one thing that's like stopping you. You know, like get the smokes and the satchels. You only need like like let's just let's just say three. I, I can't really do rough numbers right now. Let's just do three for a concrete you know rifle garrison. Bam, it's down. It creates a hole where you can actually get in the bunker itself. And continue on pushing and now you you know you can not essentially flip it but you can at least get inside and use it while you know so having them up yeah just, sort of making progress through the rubber sort of a thing yeah, so it's like you have your breaching point now of you can you can actually use these instead of just oh they're, they're pretty much just flat ground decorations you know when they fully get destroyed and even so for infantry as well it's like you, the fancy's been telling me like the amount of commitment and resources to just destroy something like this like this is a nine by nine it would take way too much way too much anything for any type of people to actually try to destroy this and yeah. if you don't have hefa it's like it is a massive slog like there is uh, no, no. It, the, 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 also no i just want to mention the because you know i know it's a hot topic and continues to be the repair uh capabilities like we've had what was it like recently we fired an fa at i don't remember if it was like a tier two bunker or some shit anyway we fired like fucking 40 shells or like even more normal fa shells didn't scratch the surface they could out repair us like they wouldn't give a shit and it's yeah. so fucking like frustrating because like you know if you calculate i'm not gonna do it but like if i ask logic to calculate the amount of explosive shit it went into you know like three crates of shells firing basically at you know some b mats and maybe some r mats if it was concrete i don't even remember if it was and them just like casually i was repairing that field gun as it was nothing you know like i don't know it doesn't really make sense for me it's like it, it should be i i, I get that at the same time, if you make it too easy to destroy for the Artigan, the Artigan then becomes OP, don't get me wrong. But like like we've discussed multiple times, uh, at least 
like re repair should be controlled in some way when artillery is present, right? There should be a mechanic that says, well, you know, you get suppressed or some shit, you, you repair slower or, or some shit because artillery is raining on your head. You can just like start... You can just hammer away. Exactly, you know, like there has to be a consequence to the fact you're being under fire, right? It's actually more impactful in the early game. Go ahead, Dark. No, it's like, you know, I I went on um, the press corps the other day to, to you know, to word out the word of the my arty reform that I was, you know, that I wrote about Appreciate to Markfoot himself. It seems like he wasn't really interested in that, like, aspect of it. So I think they're, they did say one thing that they are looking at, uh, looking at the repairing structures situation, because that's, that's always been something on their mind, but they haven't really had the time to really focus on it. But it is something on their mind, at least just give you some hope as far as repairing under fire. That'll help but, the Colonials a lot, though, I think, because really the repairing while under fire, you know, yeah, it sucks when we get when we uh, when our FA gets slowed down, but usually we can overpower it with an FA and combined artillery. It's in the mid game when we're trying to do stuff with, you know, HMGs, SMGs, HE grenades. That tier of progress is completely and totally hopeless in the face of one dude with a hammer. And it, yeah. it even makes to. To an extent, it even makes like standard shells obs absolutely obsolete. There's no point of, you know, utilizing FA shells or um, standard shells against pretty much anything that isn't like if it's tier two bunker. Yeah, maybe you're going to be using three times as more compared to just HEs. But, you know, if it's concrete, you, you can't even you can't even hope. Is that the question? What? I said it's completely out of the question. At that point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, completely. And it's just not, I, I felt a little, uh, I was personally a little disappointed. It seems like they would rather take the approach of we'll make different type of FA guns to do different responsibilities rather than trying to standardize and make things a little more engaging and simpler for the for the whole community. But, I mean, again, at least I got some form of clarity of this is how they feel, how they want artillery to be, which is fine. Don't get me wrong. It still keeps its skill-oriented play, which will always will be. But it's just, you know, it's just, to me, it's one of those things that they could make it as a great platform for something better. But what can you do? Yeah, it, it really, I don't know. I'm, I'm just happy that at least they're looking into the repair stuff because, like, Kaz actually pointed a very important thing I, I, I kind of forgot about because I was focusing on the Artigan. Like, mid-game is cartoonish in this sense where you would, like, concentrate all your fire... On a, on a structure, and then there would be like, oh, I, I have the perfect example of it. Cass, do you remember mm -hmm. when we did that encirclement on Hardline? Oh, yeah. And and we got, we, we basically, so I'll explain to people that don't remember or weren't there. Uh, basically, uh, Hardline is a relic base, and we just build a circle around it. Day one. Build a circle around it with like trenches and foxholes and shit. Full circle around it, 360 degrees. And we're just like keeping the colonials away from it so we can destroy it and take it over. So we were basically firing at it with rifles for 20 minutes now while being encircled. It was down to around 20, 20-ish percent. About 20%, yeah. Yeah, something like that. And what happened was uh, the colonials suddenly, you know, figured why the fuck are we like fighting them with rifles and shit? when this is not working. So what they decided to do is dropping everything, grabbing a hammer, 
20 BMATs rushing in and just hitting the fucking thing as many as many times as they could before they died. And I shit you not, guys, they got it up to like what 70% or some shit with like a yeah. few tries. It was fucking I mean, a couple swings of the hammer on did a hundred hundred bags of rifle. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it was it was incredible the progress. Now, to their credit, I mean that situation is a really good example of the problem. But to their credit, the Colonials did rally an impressive rescue of the encirclement to oh, get yeah. enough breathing room to do that. And so I want—I don't want to make it seem like no, it was no, that no. bad, but but yeah, it was still BS. Like like full props to them. I'll say it right now for like rallying up and and stopping us. I think that was like that was awesome, even from our point of view, in a way to to see that comeback sort of coming in. It felt like shit. Like we, we can't like deny it. It felt shit to to get comeback from there, but. Uh, the fact that you know that was possible because literally like you said one guy with a hammer could undo a, a few hundred clips of rifle ammo with a few swings was like just like cartoonish that's that's the word i'm going to stand by cartoonish so on that note and you, you, you i mean you could use countless examples of safe house rushes and pushes that have gone up in flames where you've just almost brought it across the finish line in that desperate 50 60 he commitment and then you know you have to respawn re-equip and by the time you run back they've already repaired all that damage I yeah that, that that happens on a daily basis i i when when when, when something like that happens i always go back to that uh you know, Family Guy meme where, where the Amish just rebuild that <laughs> barn over and over again. That's yeah. that's basically how it feels every fucking time. You know, like... Uh, I mean, I won't lie. Like, I mean, I think I gave up on the idea of trying to just go for the snipe. It's now well worth its risk of just... it's. Be we, we, we've seen it better. Just push the front towards the, uh, the, the spawn base. And that's healed way more better effects than just... Okay, guys, let's go for that ace snipe, and then it's oh down. yeah, absolutely. And but even like, happened. even like, uh, sorry, like I just want to say, even like in in context of targeting, like I bet you guys notice we don't target the actual thing we want to take down anymore. We target the shit around it because we know there's a waste of fucking time and effort to actually take or target the the actual target we have. There's no point into it because you're never going to get it. It's that simple. One guy with a hammer is just going to be like laughing at you while he just like out repairs it from like the last stage to full HP in 30 seconds. Yeah, there's really nothing you can really do against that other than like, okay, well, how do you counter that one guy repairing it? Well, let's completely surround it now. We destroyed everything around the town hall. Now let's surround the town hall with all of our guns. So that will hopefully nullify the guy, one guy with a hammer. And I, I know can tell countless stories of the level of commitment made for people to protect that one guy with a hammer, mm -hmm. uh, especially like day one wars. I, I saw like this hilarious situation where they actually had built sandbags around one specific corner of the town hall <laughs> and had run guys into that one niche that we hadn't quite secured yet to keep hammering. <laughs> we had like a 330 degree surround, but that one little spot. This guy just hiding, sandbagged in, making sure he can prepare for the rest of his life. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, it's and just with, silly. So with that, let's let's go on to the next one. I don't think Avidus is coming back. Yeah, yeah. Just, no, he's, oh, he's back. Here. He's, he's back. Oh, can, shit. We can move to the big reveal. The big reveal of the stream. Oh, that actually the big reveal is next. I forgot about the stairs. My bad. It, it's pretty funny because like I forgot about them with with good reasons. But like even the devs point out, this actually are not a, an actual thing in reality. They never existed. So 
I'll I'll start on that note. Yeah, it's, I mean, a, it's an interesting thing. Yeah, I mean, mainly because the issue is just the trenches are sometimes buggy. You just can't fucking get out. And, they, and hopefully, yeah. this just makes it easier just for you to. Also, I think it's I think it's going to be a good utility. I it, think it, it, it's it's needed. It's going to be interesting. It's also going to help a lot with like Cassandros or Iwan when they get really drunk. They're, they're actually going to be able to get out of the trenches. Yeah, there. true, true. They might have to like you know like just do a four by four. <laughs> But at least they're gonna be able to get out of there. Not gonna stay stuck. One thing in there. I, I would I would love to see that they would do is if you're able to make it to to widen the trench, not making it longer, but like putting them mm. together to you get what I'm trying. Yeah, to? but yeah. they don't want to allow that because then you can fit vehicles. I feel like ah, that's right. that's why what that why they're like uh, they don't want you to get the vehicles inside of them. Is what uh, what I'm getting from that in general. If you get a vehicle inside there, you're not getting it out. Like you're almost nine out of ten times going to get. You're gonna I mean, get I think vehicle. it might be good for them to do somewhere down the line where they've got a lot of the bugs sorted out and clipping and shit like that. Um, where they where they have a trench where it's just a singular trench where it can't connect to anything, and it's like uh, somewhere you can drive a vehicle in or something like that to become entrenched. That would be pretty fucking cool. Or like push a, you know, one of the pushable FAs uh, or something like that in a, a, like a concrete bunker with a roof on it with a firing port in the front or something. Where you become the actual... An artillery shelter sort of thing for vehicles and mm -hmm. that type of thing, yeah. Well, I hope, I really hope, I feel that's really cool. And in the end, especially for like, for Artigans, I personally, the one thing I really am still hoping for is, and I'm going to give a pretty niche reference but whoever played men of, men of war especially the multiplayer variety i know klaus knows exactly what i'm talking about the the artillery guns can get these like st stationary positions where you know you like put sandbags and shit and cover them up with leaves and shit like that i i feel yeah. like that's really fucking cool of an idea especially for foxhole uh, on you know just getting some entrenched position for your arty gun or even for the fats you know Make well, the mobile that's, what, that's, that's the gun that needs it the most. I'd say the FA gun, the pushable FA gun, is the thing that needs that stealth mechanic more than anything. Mm -hmm. Even howitzers, I, like you could cover howitzers with like some at least some fucking uh, camo, right? Wouldn't be impossible if you think about it. At least the surrounding area, not the <laughs> the actual tube. I think this is my two cents, and I know this requires a lot of a lot of like programming for it. But I think a probably second pass on how the visual, like pretty much how you perceive and view things in Foxhole should should really be going about, because the fact that you can't see the infantrymen out, but yet you can see a tank, you know, from from a spot you wouldn't really see, is just it, you don't really. Yeah, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm trying to go in more of, a, of the vision sense of something like Project Zomboid. You get what I mean? Yeah. Okay, Where sure. what, you, what you see when your character is looking forward is what all you perceive. You, you know, let's say you're looking at a at a tank at the half of your half of your screen, but you're only seeing like what your character sees from the Man, first that, half. Of that it. would make the game super fucking stressful. <laughs> Can you imagine the amount of times where a colonial is just like right behind you and just punch it at death? Because you just won't look behind you. But I get what you're saying, and it would be pretty cool. Right. So Thanks. now, without further to do. <laughs> The it's, real uh, reveal. The, the real reveal. Of, I want to uh, see their reactions. Of the What's that? 
L look at it, Mr. Oh, this Mo thing. <laughs> Why are you so disappointed? Like, people have been talking about this for a long, long time. You know, I'm not worried about this for the same reason everybody else is worried about it. Well, just like I'm going to give you guys an update from Dev Branch from our guys. Apparently, this thing actually fires two times faster than a mortar. So basically, think of it as a land gunboat, basically. Um, mm -hmm. With the capability of shrapnel shells as well. Yeah. Yum, yum, yum. Yeah, well, the, the, the one thing is it's not going to be able to stack shells, but because of the uh, mortar shells being so light, it's going to be really really easy to just like carry them on infantry on the driver on the spotter on the gunner everybody's gonna, everybody's gonna be chipping in on those shells and um, i see this being used in the defense see everybody's worried about this thing flanking and taking out fobs and stuff like that and yes i'm sure that it will do that that will be part of its mo however the thing that i am really worried about with this thing is its capability with shrapnel shells because this thing will be able to rain those things down on the front line and I'm not sure, somebody said they're still bugs, somebody said they're working now. I'm not sure what to believe because I haven't seen them used this war, to tell you the truth. But um, if they are working now and this thing has a double double uh, fire rate, all this thing needs to do is literally sit be just behind the foxhole line and you're not going to be able to get anywhere near it because this thing's just going to rain down hell upon infantry. It's, it's, it's essentially a mobile mortar house, isn't it, really? Kind of, but you don't you don't have the aiming mechanic of the of the of the safe house. Oh, is it still spotted? Is it still spotted? Still spotted? Yeah. Oh it, well, that's it, not too. Bad, it has yeah. a spotter port and everything. Yeah, Commander Hatch. So yeah, um, yeah, I think it's gonna be interesting. Maybe it, I, I, I definitely I look forward it. to stealing it. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Of course, I was going to say my opening thoughts when they first sought it out that like it was like, haha, well, if the Colonials really want to invest time using that, they're going to be at a massive disadvantage because you could just do the APC version and you could do it like way times is better. But the fact that, you know, I think it was kind of a good call, even though I, it always frustrates me where you have something that fires the same caliber ammunition. But for some reason, stat-wise, it just does more damage. To me, right. that, that always fucking grinds my gears. Like, <laughs> so I yeah. put I put the mortar tube in here. It does more damage. I have the one in my hand, but I do less damage. Like To me, it just makes absolutely no sense. No, I'm, I'm looking forward to it with this thing. What this thing is going to be really good at is, you know, like, say, if you've got, like, a big infantry push pushing the safe house or something like that, you roll one of these up behind your infantry formation, you can just cover the area in fucking smoke, you know? Like more smoke. There's no more. I just score. don't. I just well, don't. It's been taken out. It's oh, never, it's never there. It's never in. <laughs> never in. Man. Only how it's a smoke. Uh, if that, only yeah, if they were to make motor smoke, like yeah, it's just something cool. so simple. It's like all 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 artillery shells or anything that's indirect just needs like like I would just say like three versions: standard, high explosive, and smoke. Yeah. Probably you can you can. I just don't think this changes much. Uh, I, I mean, I think as you mentioned, Dark, your first impression, I think your first impression is probably going to be about spot on. This we've, we've already got plenty of experience with more APCs, their strengths and their capabilities, and I think this is better than a mortar APC, but not by enough to change its role in what we understand the game to be. And we're still in, I think, a mortar meta, so to speak, where mortars are exceptionally strong. This will be strong, but we've already got experience with this. I mean, this is all feeding into the same sort of tactics of, uh, of, of what they're running the vehicles on with the colonials 
this thing is designed to snip at the flanks. You know what I mean? It's designed to snip at the flanks like a lot of the other colonial vehicles. I mean, we've got a we've got an AT half track, and that thing. I mean, I know it's not like front line worthy, but it's more front line worthy than this. You know what I mean? This is designed for flanking, and it, what concerns me is that so many of the colonial vehicles seem to be. I mean, I get that they're trying to go after a certain MO sort of thing, but the flanking MO. Uh, where you maybe a bit less vulnerable, a, le a bit less, uh, sorry, a, a bit more vulnerable to sort of like direct combat, which is like direct line combat. You know what I mean? Where it's not artillery, you're not behind enemy lines, sort of thing. You're, you're operating with very little armor, but with high mobility on the sides. You know, you're always going to be caught out in Foxhole by you know a guy with an RPG or something like that. And I, and especially where these things are going to shine. Where they're going to be going on flanks and stuff like that mines are going to be playing fucking war with these things you know what you, I mean? you remind me of something that's really important about this and you know it's the same mistake that i think people have made in you know assessing this, the silver hand is how mobile is this compared to an apc because that's where the difference I think, yeah, and a little bit of mobility is all the difference i think it's like a little bit more mobile compared to the apc um, yeah, also Orbital is pointing out that the basic flyers like an FA gun, so it's gonna get elevation bonuses up on hills and shit like that. It's gonna fire further away. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it, it kind of goes back to dark. Why is the tube not whatever? It's just like weird. Why doesn't the yeah. physics apply the same way to the same thing? Anyway, <laughs> let's not let's not dwell on that. Using too much logic is not particularly well. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it has to have better mobility than APC, right? Like I would expect it. It will be. Have. I mean, the most disappointing thing about it is its looks, in my opinion. If I was a colonial, I'd be thoroughly disappointed with the design of that thing because <laughs> it looks like a pile of shite, in my opinion. You well, the I mean? the thing is, is because um, one thing we haven't seen because the colonials have been avoiding it, they made a... Because the, the current the current um, half-track we're all used to in Foxhole for the colonials is their heavy half-track. That is the design of their you know heavy-armored half-track. And that's their one of their, their, their faction specials is they have a heavy half-track and the like erase the mortar and place it with the HMG. That's their light half-track. That, and that's one thing they keep avoiding and not attacking is that it's kind of funny when you think about it is because when they made a new half track for the colonials they're like well we already gave them their heavy version we have to make a light shitty version for it and that's essentially what you know this is is like it's their light shitty version half track right it just takes some while to get used to it because this is supposed to be the standard one and the normal one we're used to is the upgraded one gents i'm up to say goodbye here i have to get off at this point yeah, no, we're, yeah, no, we're, we're about to end it anyways, right? Because we're yeah, on this. we've been going for a while, and I think uh, it's time to get closer to those uh, closing remarks here. Is there anything you want to say for us, Cass, before you, before you balance? No, this has been good. It's re really good to reflect on, and I, I think that there's a lot, to, a lot of potential in what we've talked about for us to, you know, move through some of the things that are crippling. Uh, and I'll use that word strongly, strongly crippling development of the game. So a lot of these things are resolvable, I think. I think we're pretty close to having a good sense of them. So it's been good to talk about and think about and explore. I appreciate the opportunity to do so. I do. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah, pretty much mirroring what Kaz said. You know, there is opportunity. 
I, I mean, I'm saying overall, I would say the changes made through this patch are a positive thing overall. Um, but there is definitely some glaring things that need to be addressed. You know what I mean? And I think one of those things is going to have to be somewhere down the line. It's going to have to be this uh, game balancing issue and, and things Thank like you that. Thank you for the that now. I don't think it's a great idea, to tell you the truth, overall. Um, however, it is allowing a lot more variation in vehicles and stuff like that. So I'm not going to complain too hard just at the moment. But I think somewhere along the line, it is going to present uh, big issues for the game. I'll just leave it there. No. I mean, I think we're all pretty much in a great, great square right now because, like, we all thank have you the for the follow, you non-essential scum. The, these these issues they may be minor, but I feel like a lot of Foxhole's issues have always been minor, but they've been piling up so high, like it really affects like the enjoyment. Look at the statistics now; like population is going drastically down, and we're only in our we're at the end of the second war, and we're already returning back to the usual usual numbers. Yeah, yeah. It's like, the fact that, this is just my thing just it frustrates me the most is they're still adding global queues i understand that one faction is already mass massfully populating the other but we can't get this we can't finish it faster because you're you're preventing more people from not playing and that's just like what what's the end goal you want no one to play if you know if you, one side has 400 people and the other side has 20 or 200 you only want max only 200 on the other side like do you want to exile those other 200 people out i think the main issue with what you're saying doc i always felt it is remember in the past when you had the skirmishes people that couldn't fit in could go in a skirmish have some fun go kill some you know people on the other side do some like warm-up right <laughs> before they actually dropped in the actual war and i think that keep people engaged right people wouldn't bother that much with like well, yeah, I'm in queue, but I can go do stuff, right? I can go kill a few guys. I can go have some fun with a light vehicle. I can go, you know what, I'm, you know what I mean? Like, be entertained by while I wait to get in the big, big map thingy, right? Now without skirmishes, oh, I'm going to go AFK and, you know, hopefully in the next two hours, I'm going to finally get inside this lodgy region which is totally empty and then once I get whatever I wanted to get from that lodgy region I'm gonna drive down to wherever the conflict is where I'm gonna wait in a queue again for another god knows how long before I actually get to play the game and get engaged in combat right that feels like a really really bad way to to promote people actually staying into the game right uh, you know, because like there's always this discussion, and I, I had a lot of people where you know, like, ah, oh, like you can't really say bad things about Foxhole because, like, look at the reviews and shit, people like it. Yeah, they like it for like about 30 to 40 hours, maybe, but then you know, they're like, ah, yeah, do I want to start that game and do the weight simulation thing? No, I'm gonna probably go play CK3. Yeah, that's uh, how I feel about it. Fair well, enough, dude. I'm inclined to agree with you. Um, just before we go, uh, I will wanna say... Want to fucking that, go already. <laughs> uh, if, if you guys have any questions for the next No Man's Land, don't hesitate to post them in the channel, and we will uh, we'll have a look at them, any talking points or any questions. 
Uh, just post them in the channel, guys. We'll take a look at them and pick don't some clips. Fucking, uh, not land. Don't make me fucking close the fucking channel again. <laughs> please, just keep it to the the Q and A questions, please. Listen to the Q mad org. Yeah, just the questions, guys. Nothing else, or the channel will be closed. Um, and next time, I am going to be uh, booking a, seg a segment on law, and I'm going to have my uh, bi-monthly rant on law. So uh, you've got that to look forward to for next time, guys. Uh, as with always, um, from me and uh, from everybody else, thank you for uh, thank you for coming. And uh, anybody want to say goodbye? Well, Make sure you fight out of your foxholes, boys. Fight like men. Fight like men, and don't throw those grenades too early. Don't cook them. Exactly. That's all you need Get to a do. Nice saute. It's nice. Flip. Mm -hmm. Remember to throw them though. Don't keep them on you. And if you're an APC, <laughs> for the love of God, fucking throw it. Bye, guys. Catch you later, guys.